just days past now. Where are where are the emotions? A few days on from that final. Well, what a final! I think we've almost moved on so quickly in the news cycle here in England that there hasn't much, you know, been much time to reflect on what a dramatic 80 minutes of rugby that was. I think the emotions for me are just immediately looking forward to 2025, partly because it's here and I live here. And I think that's a natural thing to think, right, we'll be part of that a little bit more than we were able to be part of that. But also because you can see the trajectory. We're going to go from 12 to 16 teams. You know, your South Africa's, your Japan's of this world are all getting better. WXB coming next year. So my, my kind of sense is very good World Cup. Now let's make it even better. And that's a really exciting place to be. Obviously, if I was English, I'd probably be feeling a bit more sanguine this week. Um, I was very disappointed for them, which for an Irish person is unusual to be sorry for an England team. And I think, you know, nobody who's kind of followed their journey could feel anything but, you know, huge sympathy. And, um, you know, I'm sure people were devastated for them. But um, look, the next one's here. And those players who will still be involved in that, hopefully will be able to switch their minds next year to think about that pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't think a, a game has had more of a juxtaposition for me. The the, the tournament um, and the spectacle it was and some outstanding rugby coupled with just utter, utter heartbreak. Um, I sadly lost a dog earlier this year um, and I'd never been through that before. And it's a similar kind of feel this week. I just, I'm absolutely gutted, you know, fairly close to Suntus is one of our our very own here on the women's rugby pod but uh, yeah feel for her and the rest of the team I'm Johnny Hammond uh, that's Ali Donnelly the scrum queen herself and this is the women's rugby pod so then Ali let's get into the meat and drink of that that final I think there's a lot's been said and are oh, the red card changes it um, and oh, yeah, brave, plucky England. But, but actually, technically, where where did you see that 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 game won and lost? I mean, it, it's in, for me, it's in quite quite a few different parts. Let's talk about that opening sixteen minutes. Yeah, so interesting that there has been so little analysis. I think done on the final itself. I know Squidge has put a video up overnight, which is looking at where the game was won and lost. But we haven't seen much of that. I think people are maybe jaded and there's a lot of news in sport going on. There seems to be some other World Cup happening. Um, So I I think the person who said it best for me was Giselle Mather. So she was interviewed after the final on BBC's podcast. She was down at the Cabbage Patch. And, you know, she's just an eloquent person on rugby. But she said the what if scenarios that presented themselves to England were off the chart. You know, if you think about it, so the day before, Leanne Riley, the probably the one player, Leanne Infante, sorry, they couldn't do without. I, I actually gasped when I looked up and I, I woke up and saw that news. I just couldn't believe it. The one, you know, the, the whole story about that selection and so on. And I think for me, just to focus on her, because people have moved on from from that a little bit. Lizzie Packer played really well. Um, you know, she, well. she did a great job. But I think there's the emotion of losing that you know, key player. But also, there was such an interesting moment in the Red Roses documentary. I don't know if you remember this. I was amazed they left it in, where they had the England coaches talk about why they weren't picking Natasha Hunt. And Scott Meeman, the England backs coach, said something like, um, 
well, with the way we're trying to play, you know, we, we, we're not we're not going to bring her. Well, firstly, I thought it was a bit mean spirited that it stayed in there, to be honest, because that must have been hard for her to hear. They didn't talk about it in many other selections. And second, I think it placed this massive kind of focus on Leanne and how she plays and what she brings to the team. And although Lucy played well, she hasn't been in the team. And I, I imagine emotionally that will have taken a little bit out of that team happening so close to the game. So that, that happened before kickoff. Obviously, Helena Rowland too, um, huge player. But exactly. But but I guess in terms of the, the kind of the fulcrum of the team, the nine yeah. and ten are your key, right? So there's that. The, you know, they played beautifully, they kicked off, they played beautifully. Uh, red card. I mean, I think a lot of people saying the red card changed the game and if England had kept 15 players in the pitch, they'd have won. I don't know. Who knows? But I also think people shouldn't forget that Portia Woodman's one of the best players we've ever had in women's rugby. Certainly the best winger in the world. And she's gone off. And that also changes how they play because Letta Inga's a great player, but she's been coming back from injury. She's a lot less experienced um, and so I think those those things are just massive for England. Um, and also, again, Giselle said this, if you've ever played a game without a winger, so I have because I've played at lower league rugby and you often turn up without players, right? When you play without a winger, you are always second guessing yourselves because you don't want to attack in a certain way sometimes because you think if we turn the ball over, we're going to be short back there defensively you're on a bit of edge you know there's a space you know you're putting your other wing or your fullback under pressure so you do second guess yourselves a, a bit and I, you know only the players can tell you if that got into their heads but it does change your shape and it does change what you do in attack and what you do in defense and you go into yourself a bit so you know all of these things happen to England and then two other things happened which again how do you prepare for these the TMO intervention which then eventually led to a New Zealand try I mean that's unheard of and, and and very, you know, only happened because there was a long break on play. And then I think if you had said to me or anyone, England will be trailing by a few points with 30 seconds to go, but they'll have a throw into the line out a few metres out, you'd say they're probably going to win that match. Yeah, we're done. If, yeah. if, if you'd said, though, that that was going to happen and at the same time the players not on the pitch included Marley Packer, Amy Cocaine, Zoe Allcroft, Sarah Hunter, you might have said, mm, I don't know. And so big decisions were taken in the game, some by, you know, the officials, uh, some by the players not kicking for posts and that penalty before they went to the corner, uh, and some by the coaching team to take off in a World Cup final. England have great strength and depth, but those are big, big players to not be on the pitch when, you you know, you've got 30 seconds left to win a World Cup final. But these, you know, it's it's amazing what happened in the 80 minutes. And that's just England. You know, we, Rui DeMont is up for World Player of the Year this weekend in Monaco. Her tap and go that led to the turnover to give England a line out. On another day, the narrative is that the New Zealand captain made a huge error and they lost the World Cup final. Um, and that's sport, right? You know, it happens. But it, so much happened. I, I don't know if it's even possible to... I mean, I've realised I've just talked at you for about five minutes, but... It was just an extraordinary game of rugby um, at the end of which someone was going to be devastating and it just so happened it was England. Yeah, I've been waiting a while to say all that, have you, Ellie? I have. Yes, I have. And also, I'm I'm, I'm so sick of and writing. And another thing. <laughs> I can't bear to write about it again, so I'm just saying it all to you, Johnny. No, look, I think, you know, you in particular have been, been immersed in, the, in this game for a while. And look, I, I think... The bottom line is we're both utterly delighted at how the final went. Uh, and we'll sort of just 
just pan out a little bit in a, in a moment or two. But um, and if it's any other side, I, I, th- I think New Zealand put 15, 20, 30 points on, on, on Canada or France had they been there. I think it's testament to England that in the last minute they have a line-out with 14 players to win the game. And I, and I think no other team is, is anywhere close to that um, with the atmosphere and the way that New Zealand were playing. And I think for me, that opening 60 minutes, as you alluded to, that they were blowing the Black Ferns away. And and that's the way they wanted to play. And, I, and I've said it all tournament. They were holding quite a bit back and going to the line-out and the driving more rather than using the back plays while during training. They're rehearsing it all the time. And I, I genuinely think had that red card not happened, and it was totally right that it did, but I think England would have won at, at, at some distance. Um, but it does change the way you play. And second guess, as you say, in, in defence and what have you, it's totally the right decision. Consistency of that yellow card to, to Lydia Thompson's red? Yeah, I think you could argue that was a red for sure. And I think people did afterwards in, in commentary analysis. Uh, so maybe consistency not applied there. But again, just the what-if scenario presenting them, you, you, they, you, they're gone down to 10, 10 minutes to 14 players, but not fully. And I just, I'd love to know if England were able, have ever prepared for all of those things, probably individually. Um, I'd love to ask them that, but I, I feel like I wouldn't have the stomach to ask them anything for a little while. No, I, I completely with you, uh, just leaving them, uh, yeah. Throwing a few texts in there, but uh, just just leaving them to to whatever they need to do because they they will be devastated. Um, if you're, I mean, selection, I think is is the, is the trickiest thing for a coach, but the most important thing for for a coach. You just any coaching in your time as well. Um, and uh, the speed bumps, as you've already mentioned, with uh, with the injuries that happened, you know, the Batfords are going into that game with thirty two players, all fit and firing, uh, possibly not fully firing, but but all firing, and slowly. You know, those speed bumps starts to happen for the for the Red Roses, even Zoe Allcroft going off during the game. All that leadership goes. Would, would you have kept, in hindsight, would you have kept a Marley Packer on w- without that voice? You know, you've watched plenty of Red Roses games. Leanne Infante, it's just in your ear the whole time through the referee's mic. Then it's Marley Packer second up. Without those two on, is, is that Red Roses team a, a, a bit different? I think taking Hunter off at half time felt surprising and it was probably pre-planned and Poppy Cleo's fantastic and she did really well. But I think when you do that and then you remove the rest and you've already got no Infante there shouting at you, that that does, you know, that that does have an impact on a team. I think Amy Cocaine as well was a was a big decision. Now I know she often does get taken off and that's fine, the team are used to it, but her line out was going so well. I think, you know, she's been, I can't believe she, you know, there's no player of the tournament, it's player of the year, but she, you know, for me, she would have been right in there. And I hope she's been discussed as, you know, I hope she was kind of shortlisted for it. Um, so I just think it's it's the big, it's the big experienced voices, players who weren't there. there were, you know, that's four or five from the pack alone who yep. were missing in the final minutes. And I know England will say we've got big strength and depth, but the 2017 final, a similar thing happened. And, you, you know, you're kind of looking at it going, wonder if they'd like to have those players there for this lineout. Now, you know, it's it's very easy to say that it wasn't just about the lineout, but you know, I, I those are the questions I guess will be asked in whatever review process happens now as part of the whole look at um the coaching team and so on. But um, you know, uh would you want all those players on the field if they're fit and ready? Probably. Um but England have got strength and depth and that that's what they did. Yeah, and they, they 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 were true to themselves because they they, they backed those those 
sort of fringe players, didn't they? And they always said that they were going to do that and have, have that strength of depth after 17. Would you have taken the three to level it up? Yeah. 100%. I tweeted it immediately. I can't believe they haven't taken that. The, this is the kick before the one to touch. Um, yeah, I was very surprised. I suppose the question is whether they felt they had another 20 minutes in them, given what the game had just done, you know, yeah. what was what had been taken out of them. But I actually think if you watch it back, they go straight for the corner. I don't even think they have a, a, a moment in their mind. And that's possibly because of that, but also because the line-out driving mall has been so dominant that that's just what they do. Uh, and I wonder in another, if they had another second, if they'd have maybe had a little conversation about let, let's level this up and see how we go. Um, so, yeah, but I would have. I mean, it's World Cup final. It would have kept them in it. And you take the points when they're on offer. And I, even when you get to that line out, it, it looked rushed. They knew the clock had gone, but you got time for that line out. And the assistant referee come in, which one was on that side, but moves Lark Davis down. And it all just seems rushed. And actually... And if you're the Blackferns, and you know England are going to come with a driving line out five minutes from the line in the last minute of the World Cup final, and you've got Abby Ward on the field, if you're going to gamble, you're going to mark her, right? Yeah, and, and Nan Wu as well, you know, she she was the best pilferer for New Zealand. So, you know, great that for them that she was on the pitch. I read uh, Rob Kitson wrote in The Guardian that Wayne Smith had called down to tell them to go up at the front and contest it properly. Because if you remember... Bar one or two attempts, they yeah. really hadn't been doing that. Um, so interesting that he, you know, was adamant that they do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think Abby Ward's unbelievable player, incredible. I um, loathe to say anything that suggests that I don't think that. But yeah, I think it was, it was pretty obvious where it was going. Uh, it was going to the front. It was going to her, and they took a gamble. Shades of, you know, Lions many years ago. For for those of us old enough to remember. Um, why don't why wouldn't you have a go right because the thing is if England get the ball and drive they're going to score and win the World Cup so that that's yeah. just what, what was happening throughout the whole tournament and throughout the game already I can't remember how many tries they got from that but three or four so yeah a, a gamble with no risk attached to for New Zealand because either way you know if they catch it cleanly they're probably going to score and, and you're going to lose uh, or else you're the hero and that's what happened yeah and, and England had, had rumbled in from 25 yards uh, yeah. From driving like twice in the game, so no, no, absolutely, it, that's such such small margins. Um, the Blackferns were outstanding, weren't they? Yeah. Stacey Flula, just for for me, just uh, there's plenty of press about Ruby too, of course, and, and lots of other players, but Stacey Flula, just moments of absolute and utter class on the field that just ultimately for me gave them the edge. Yeah, I mean, her, when she kind of stood Emily Scarrett up at one point, I think it was a reminder of just what a great attacking player she is. Not many players do that. I did want to mention Emily Scarrett briefly. I think one of the things that's been missed with the discussion around lineouts and England's, you know, desire to, to play in a certain way is that, of course, there's more in them and they were trying to play a slightly different way in the first 20 minutes. But I've never watched England play for such a period of games where they did used her less so she is often the point of you know go forward get England on the front foot in, in the mid in the midfield and because they weren't doing that I thought it was so unusual to see her sort of subdued the odd time she got the ball cleanly and I think because they weren't doing that throughout the tournament it was then very hard for them to switch to playing that way and and I think you know she's a world-class player but I, I I don't know if England had played 
in a way that they're often allowed to play in the Six Nations, where they can get the ball out quickly, and the, you know their decision is often like not to be such forward oriented, but actually to play it a bit more. Um, may, maybe they might might have been able to to use her more effectively in the final. But Stacey Fleuler, what an attacking player, and I think I said after her going off with a smile on her face, the match wasn't even won, and she's injured is for me moment to moment of the competition because it epitomised them. Uh, which is essentially quite a naive team in some ways. Uh, the demand tap and go at the end. I mean, who does that in a World Cup final where they could just <laughs> boot the ball out, win the match, it's over. Um, but just amazing. I mean, watching them play it out there, 22, seven, eight phases, just no one can do it um, like them. So yeah, all credit to them. And if they get their act together in New Zealand, that's going to be a hell of a team in 2025 as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, yeah, I... I... I didn't see, and we, you know, we, we've we <laughs> back to, to England again, but run the 2014 off the top line out that Scarlett wins, effectively wins the World Cup final for that short angle um, in that last line out. Because New Zealand aren't expecting you to put it down the back like any, yeah, ifs, buts, maybe. But I, we've spoken about before how she just grabs games by the scruff of the neck and dominates them. And literally, the, out, the, the, the outcome of the, the game is because of her interventions. And Bobby Cleal's been the same and Marley Pack has been the same. And I'm not saying that any of them have performed badly, but it just, you know, that absolute and utter unbelievable performances we kind of expected. Um almost been too much, too much of a team. Uh we're not allowing those 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 tall poppies to come out. Um, I mean, look, I don't I don't want to sound harsh because they're such a great, great team who've made history. But you can I think it's unarguable that the way in which they decided to play was to the detriment a bit of some of their attacking threat out wide. And they have great attacking threats. I mean, Abby Dow, Helena Rowland, Emily Scarrett. Uh, but they didn't get many opportunities. <laughs> when they did, they looked great. But if, if you're going to play six, seven games in a row where you're really telegraphing the kind of way you want to play, and that's fine because it's really good. It is hard then in clutch and crunch moments to switch that and say, all right, now, now we're going to... And they, they they couldn't quite do it. Um I'm not. I'm not criticizing them playing that way. It's their great strength, but it definitely they didn't look the old court team they could, and we know because we watch them all the time that they're well capable of that. And I go back to that Scott Beeman comment, which I I was astonished by um, that again that it stayed in there because I think it kind of signposted very quickly to anyone watching that they were going to stick to a certain style of play. And I know Simon Middleton said throughout, "We've got more in the locker. We can do more." But your backs coach just said on camera the way we play is x and that's why we're not bringing that player so just so interesting i mean we could talk about it for hours <laughs> we really could miss marple um absolutely <laughs> <laughs> the analysis of the video that's 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 sadly how um entrenched and absorbed we, we are by it. The, the tournament as a whole new zealanders have woken up to women's rugby forty-five thousand plus Paid for tickets to go and watch women's rugby. That's the first time. 1.7 million viewers on ITV back here in the UK. We're past that corner, aren't we, Ali? We are, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And I think only going up now. I think that there's two things for me about how you assess this World Cup. One is I get a little bit kind of bemused when people come out and proclaim best World Cup ever. I mean, obviously, every World Cup has to be better than the one before you know, if not, we're all doing something wrong. There hasn't been one for five years. Obviously, it's going to be better. So, But that's good. 
but I think we should give New Zealand rugby a little bit of praise, which I don't often do. Yeah. Yep. They didn't have they didn't have to bring the World Cup there. They bid for it. They brought it there. They sold out Eden Park for the final, and that's great. You know, well done because that's not easy. They don't so Eden Park doesn't sell out all the time for All Blacks games either. You know, so um, or, or certainly not the, the the teams below. So that so that was really good. I think the tournament will be huge for the Black Ferns and for that brand in New Zealand and the public sort of there's a little bit of apathy around the All Blacks a little bit because of you know yeah. the tough year that they've had and suddenly you've got these kind of smiling assassins who you know play wonderful rugby and are great advocates speak to people in the community uh, so that's really good I mean I think the thing I'd be concerned about is they're not going to I don't know of plans for them to play at home within the next six months they've got the Super Rugby Opiki competition coming up but I think one of the things that we saw here when England won the Euros, the Lionesses, they immediately announced games, big one against the USA at Wembley, sold out within, you know, I was in the queue, got tickets, but sold out really quickly. So I think, you know, that that, that building on the momentum for them is going to be slightly trickier because they, they're not getting the opportunity to play at home. But I think undoubtedly the lead up the next three years, the WXV is going to be massive for the development don't get me wrong, it'll probably be very bumpy, massive new competition trying to find its feet, but it'll be huge. And I don't think any of us expect anything other than there are a few selling out Twickenham in 2025. Standalone game for Twickenham, this Six Nations. Uh, get your tickets on the England Rugby website. Already over 20,000 sold already. Um, let's let's get that second tier filled as well, shall we? Because it's just going to be cracking rugby. Um, I, I loved I loved Canada. I loved everything that Canada was about in the tournament. The French were just brilliantly French, and you know we, we expect nothing less from them. But you know to see the emergence of the South Africa, now, you know that that lady in charge and, and waving her wand down in South Africa very well. So you'd expect probably nothing less than some brilliant improvements. But South Africa, Fiji, people fell in love with Fiji. Um, Wales won that big game against Scotland. I, I just yeah, as an overall, the level is significantly risen has it not yeah and look you shock horror you give women opportunities to play and they do really well <laughs> and that's the story of you know South Africa and Fiji in particular probably Japan as well Australia I think we'll see that next year they're going to get six games which you know I don't remember the last time they played six test games in a non-world cup year so I think um yeah it's exciting you know 16 team world cup next time will also make the format a bit better it did feel a bit weird that some teams were playing each other for the second time again a week like a week later um but yeah i mean i thought south africa they were very unlucky not to win a game but they you know did some great stuff they're on the right trajectory and loads of those teams australia too will go home thinking we're on to something here and not always, that's not always the case after World Cups. I mean, South Africa disappeared after World Cup where they didn't win games for years. So, yeah, there's this kind of momentum that's very hard to stop, I think. Yeah, it's it's fully, fully in motion. Um, just, we'll just name it back, just finally, before we, we we're going to have a, a wee look at um, team of the tournament and player of the tournament as well. We're going to whiz through that. But just just finally, um, Sam Milton was, was crestfallen in a couple of press conferences since. And part of my reasoning for, for wanting England to do it, yeah, I'm an England rugby supporter uh, as a fan. 2003, the men's team deserved to win the World Cup, right? You go to New Zealand, you win there, you beat all the top three, all the rest of it. They're the best team in the world leading up to the last two or three years. The Red Roses were the same. And, 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 and for the investment, for all the, you know, 
bumps in the road we have with the RFU and, and all the rest of it. And, but they're totally and utterly leading the way, dragging other unions, kicking and screaming by what they're doing. And they, it just felt as a women's game, they, they, they deserved it. So what, what next for, for the Red Roses? The, the, there must be a review. Is it, is it time for some, some fresh voices? We, we're talking about a coaching group that has made history, 30 wins. Can't take that away from them. But is it, is it time for some, some fresh ideas, some fresh perspective? Yeah, I think it is. And that isn't to be harsh on, you know, I mean, Simon Middleton's voice doing the interviews the morning after was heartbreaking. You'd want to have a heart of stone not to feel for him. But at the same time, you know, he said it himself before the tournament, said they had to win and and they didn't. And for him, I think, you know, no one will ever take away that running winning streak from them. And will anyone ever even beat it? I don't know. So he's already made history. But look, he's had two goes at a World Cup and, and they haven't won. So I probably think, yes, it'd be surprising if not, you don't see a new head coach there. Um, you know, sure, the forwards coach will stay because of the way in which they dominate there. But um, I'd be surprised if, if he stays on. Don't know if he wants to or not, but sport is brilliant, but really harsh. And I think in a performance environment setting, Two World Cup cycles have, have failed for England now, so probably we will we will see that. I think off the pitch, though, away from the coaching setup, England don't need to do a lot. I mean, they're going to have to keep moving forward, but they've already got the building blocks in place to continue their momentum. Whereas there's a lot more work to be done in New Zealand, so New Zealand will have to get a new coaching team because Smith's going, and that was always temporary. There's a load of work to do in the leagues and the domestic representation below that. Whereas England are well on their way with the Premier 15s, the new chief exec coming in, which is really exciting. Loads of work under the every row strategy to build up towards 100,000 players, which would be phenomenal. No one else will have ever done that. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot for them to be excited about. And people, as you say, are taking their lead from them. I have said many times before that they started a domino effect. And Ireland, my, my home country, said one uh, in one year we're not going to focus on contrast and so many other things to fix. And I didn't disagree with that. And then all of a sudden England start thrashing everyone and everyone starts panicking and Ireland have got contracts all of a sudden. Uh, Wales have got contracts. Italy have got contracts. Scotland are getting there. So, you know, they, they, they are at the forefront of it. They don't need to change a whole lot, but I do think um, for sure, you're probably going to see a new coach. So Joe Yap heading it up. Uh, Anna Rich is back's coach. And Lewis Stephen Ford's coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many great women you could look at. Giselle's another one. I'm obviously biased because she's a Teddington Antlers legend. Um, but there's, look, there's, I mean, one of the things Anna I think might be, might be interesting is the Wayne Smith experiment. Now, I know he's Wayne Smith, right? Like, spectacular. But I think it? he's amazing. But I wonder, and I don't know, I'm not necessarily suggesting this is a good or a bad thing. When you appoint women's head coaches for national teams, it's often seen as secondary or less than and not as attractive as coaching a professional men's team whether it's club or a country I wonder if that will change a bit and you might see some more experienced um, coaches and they will probably be men because that's the world that we're in currently looking at it because what a great job the England job would be right you're gonna you got you're inheriting this amazing team who are going to be playing at a home world cup in three years time in front of a full Twickenham probably at some point whether they're in the final or not what a great job that is for anyone. So I think it would be a very competitive process if England were to advertise for that. And and again, I don't want to sound like I'm being disrespectful to Simon at all. It's, it's currently his job. But if that's where they go, 
um, I think be fascinating if Wayne Smith's kind of influence and how he's loved it. You know, there's an interview with Graham Henry doing the rounds as well, where he yeah. said, this is the pleasure of my career. You know, maybe there are people out there who wouldn't have considered it, who might now. And whether that's good or bad, who knows? But uh, certainly make for a good shortlist. Yeah, it certainly does. I, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the joy, the clear, genuine joy that Wayne Smith and uh, Graham Henry have had. Um, yeah, he's, he's picturing them with funny sunglasses and flowers around their neck and all the rest of it, uh, you know, while holding up the cup. They've, they've, they've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. Time to uh, whiz through a quick team of the tournament. I'm Stacey Fluler, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Go on then. Uh, starting in the front row, then, uh, loose head. Yeah, so I've Olivia got Chris... Marchant, yeah? Yeah, well, I went... Uh, or Crystal Murray is my other one. Okay, because... Have you seen her reception back home? Um, unbelievable. I need to share that video somewhere. Unbelievable. Oh, I was chopping onions a lot. Really was. Uh, uh, e- e- either of those, though. Yeah, I think I'd be... Uh, th- there are others as well. Um, Desse in France, sorry, my pronunciations are atrocious, which is why I don't work on radio or telly. <laughs> uh, she was very good as well. Yeah, no, she, she, she certainly down on my list here. Um, although, Crystal Murray, yeah, for, for the impression she makes, she's made off the bench, let's, uh, let's, let's give, give, give her the, uh, the nod. Hooker. Yeah, got to be cocaine, I think. Totosi, lots of tries. Yeah, I, I, I mean, she was brilliant, particularly in the first few games. But I think, um, in 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 the kind of knockout game, it was tougher for her. And that, whereas I think Kakane was just so consistent. I mean, I think she's apps. She's almost underrated. It's slightly odd, um, actually. But for for me, it's got to be her. Yeah, I, I, I think Amy Kakane is is one of, if not the first name in the team sheet. Um, her arrows in a monsoon biblical conditions and it's a hundred percent. Whereas Totosi's lineup fell apart in those, those two final games um, at three. Yeah. So I've gone for the Fijian. Uh, Rasalia. Is that right? Rasalia. Yep. Yeah. I've gone for her. Uh, what a player. <laughs> I'd love to see her playing, you know, more often. Um, she was brilliant. Have you, who have you gone for? Yeah, you know, could, couldn't agree more. I, I had Dilly Kamen in there as well. Um, yeah, she she had a fine tournament, and it was, yeah, a very very dominant Canadian pack. Um, but no, I'm I'm happy with that. In the second yeah. row, tough. Bruce this. Ball Ward. Yeah. So uh, I've gone. Hunt. I've gone. Uh, I've gone. Bruce and Ward, but uh, Ward is my definite. And I know the last lineup will be playing in her mind forever, but she was brilliant throughout. Falls brilliant. Uh, Ruse maybe slightly edges it. Yeah, I I, I went fall and ruse, but it's it, harsh. I, I keep, I, I'm I'm going to say Ward should be in there. Understood, Ali. I'm not bad. Your possibly yeah. not. Who's the other one then? Ruse or four? Ruse for, uh, for young. Ruse, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think probably Ruse. Yeah, back to the, back to the days of a proper engine room for the for the Blackfords. Six. Well, best of luck. Uh, Escudero, Herme, Matthews. You could put Calendar there. The other flankers I'm thinking out now with seven is is Butchers, although you know went out fairly early. Hirody, Pacwa, yeah, tough this. List. I went, I went. Um, so my back row, I went Matthews at six, Calendar at seven, and De Goody at eight, the three. But there are loads of others, I and mean, it's really hard. Hirody's another one. She had a great final. Um, so yeah, Matthews, Calendar, De Goody for me. But but there were loads, and back row is always so hard to pick. 
you know, the South African LA, you know, LA. player she is. Yeah. Um, still, still not been picked up by a club, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would withdraw. Sophie de Goody, just because um, she's washing the kit, driving the oh, bus. Amazing! Do- what a player! What a captain! And she's like a child. <laughs> yeah, literally a child. And yeah, had on the, the the pod a couple of times. Just, just outstanding. Matthews, I, I don't disagree with you, although I think in the Escudero, they France have found a, a, another. Oh God, yeah, superstar. Yeah. Uh, seven, Calendor Hirani. I mean. For Alex Callender to be top of the tackle stats um, when Wales go out the quarterfinals, we'll, we'll go Alex Callender. Uh, especially, especially when Butchers was out, right? So she had to pick up some of that load generally. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so nine, I, I went straight for Bourdon here. I thought she came in, what pressure on her, and she played beautifully, I think, in, in, in all the games we've seen her in. Yeah, I thought Pelletier had um, got, grew as the, the tournament went on, some some nice little kicks. Her combination with Pacquiao is, um, has been fortuitous with a couple of tries. But Bordeaux, yeah, w- without uh, her partner and Sanchez there, I think, yes, she, she really stood up. So putting Bordeaux at 9 10. Demont, I think, despite the last bit of blood rush to the head at the end of the game. Just, just I think, the, the way she carried the team. Uh, she she's a beautiful player, speaks so eloquently. Uh, what a captain! Just yeah, I think she's she's probably standout ten. I mean, Harrison obviously played very well, but I think all round game she she was the best. Yeah, and I think if you choose one, one to the other, you, you go for the winner, don't you? In the centres, then tough. This um, I went Vernier and Fleuler, but you know Fitzpatrick obviously very very good as well. Um, you know, arguably. They're the kind of unseen hero of that team. I just think you can't leave out Vernier. God, she was good. She's unbelievable. Um, She's from, unbelievable. Yeah, from from the first five minutes against South Africa, uh, she set her stall out for the for the World Cup, and she was brilliant. I've got I've got yeah. I, I actually didn't write anyone else down apart from Vernier and Falula. So there yeah. we are, great minds. Back three. I know you yeah, this the, this is tough. Yeah, I mean the wingers. I'm picking from Woodman Dow. Tui um, and Farris? Page. Yeah, Farris is the other one. Yeah. Um, I think Farris was was amazing. So you, know, you could go with her and Tui, but you could equally go with Woodman and Dow. So, like, I don't know. McDonald? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish she was eligible for a kind of bolter of the tournament because, God, she, you know, she was already an England player, but um, her impact, amazing. I think as out and out wingers, though, it's hard to edge the others out. Um, you probably go with, Tui as as a as a banker, um, I'd like Farris to be in there because in a team that has less and plays off less, she really was brilliant. If you are a back three player and you play for New Zealand, you're getting the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Well, look, let's yeah. put Ruby to it fullback then because she did. She had a couple of games there. Rini Holmes had a poor game against Australia, didn't she? To start, so yep. Tui went to fullback. So let's put Tui at fullback. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Farris on one wing, and then I guess it's Dower Woodman on the other. Oh. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard not to pick Woodman, but Dow's story, I think, the try of the tournament for sure. I don't know if the public voted for it, but it should be. Um, so, yeah, you could go Dow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I and mean, we're allowed to be slightly, we live in England, so we might just use all those. <laughs> um, Allery was uh, was worth a mention for me uh, uh, as well. I, I, I interviewed her during the competition too. What a brilliant person. Yeah, retiring now, but what a brilliant person. So the Ali Donnelly, Scott Kings and Johnny Hammond WRP team of the Rugby World Cup 2021 playing in 2022 tournament. 
Number one, Crystal Murray from New Zealand. Number two, Emmy Cocaine from England. Number three, Satiri Masulia from Fiji. Maya Roos from the Black Ferns in the second row with Abby Ward from England. Alex Matthews at six with Alex Callender from Wales. At seven, Sophie de Goody from Canada making up the back row. At nine, Pauline Bourdon from France. Number 10, Rouhé Dumont from the Black Ferns. Centre partnership of Gabrielle Vernier from France, Stacey Fuller of New Zealand. And a back three of Paige Farris, Canada, Abby Dow from England. What what a try. Uh, and Ruby Tui for the Black Ferns, mainly just because of the post-match interviews. No, she's had a great World Cup. And boy, oh boy, what a character. The kind of characters that uh, so needed in a game of rugby. So a player of the tournament then, uh, Ali Donnelly. I am going to give you a short list. Alex Matthews, Stacey Fuller, Sophie de Goody, Ruhe Demont. So hard. <laughs> um, I want to pick de Goody because of all of the things that she does and the way that she plays. Um, I think probably Demont, though, just because, as I said, she carried the team, she played brilliantly, she spoke beautifully, and they won. Well, I'm not one to argue. I, I, I went Stacey Fuller because they're just those unbelievably important moments uh australia she pulled them out of the fire with a big moment of class uh france as well and england um but what a short list right like i mean often the often the often it's very obvious who the player of the tournament is and this time it's not and that's exciting i think that's really good yeah it really is Uh, ali thank you so much for your time just to say the premier 15 is back this weekend ladies and gentlemen bristol take on wasps exeter against gloucester harpery sale against dmp that's all on saturday on sunday harlequins entertain worcester while saracens go up against loughborough lightning that one's live on the bbc for you we'll be back next week with uh, a roundup of all the news over the last few weeks and who knows, we might have Sunta back and, and have a chat with her over the World Cup. But just to say, thank you, New Zealand. I thought, amazing World Cup. Really in touch with their culture. Really love that about it as well. And hopefully England take um, some lessons from that. But thank you, Red Roses, for inspiring women's rugby to, to where it is now. This is only just beginning. Ali Donnelly, as ever, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. All there right, you mate. That's fabulous. See you soon. Uh, thanks so much. Cheers. No worries. Bye, Johnny. Bye-bye.